The following message is brought to you by New Song Church and Pastor Joshua Blunt in Oklahoma City, Oklahoma. For more information on New Song, visit us online at newsongpeople.com. I need to know, did anybody come ready for the word today? Okay, I'm excited. I got a word for you that I cannot wait to share. Um, So here's what I need from you. I need you to do whatever you need to do to lean in with me today. So whether that's you taking notes or following along with with me with your Bible, or maybe that stuff distracts you, you just need to lock in with me for the next 30 minutes or so. Do that. Do whatever you need to do to lean in. You know, sometimes it's easy. I've been there. I've been in your shoes many times where you just were in the routine. We go into service, we hear the good word, and then we leave, we do our thing. But I'm telling you, every single opportunity that we're in this house, that we're sitting under the word, is an opportunity to hear God, to hear God speak to us. And so guess what? If we miss that, that's not his fault. (laughs) That's our fault. One of my leaders, um, his name's Pastor Eman. He's our threshold pastor. And I love this about him. He challenges our middle school dudes. We, We wanna raise up men of God even in middle school. And so sometimes they need a little kick in the butt, right? And uh, he's not soft with them. I love this. He says in small group after service, hey, if you come into small group and you don't have one good thing from that message, one note or one takeaway or one thing you felt like God spoke to you about, that's on you. (laughs) Somebody say, that's on you. So let's be attentive. Let's be active. Let's see what God wants to say to us tonight, or sorry, today. Today we're continuing in our amazing series we're talking about the ships that shape us, ship shape. How many of y'all have been enjoying this series so far? Man, it has been, it has been so good. And, and really the heart behind this series is we're looking at the specific vision of New Song Church. We're looking at specific things that we hope that you and I are walking in in our life individually, but also in this church collectively And we believe that if we are walking and active in these visions, that God can then breathe on what we're doing and take us way farther than we could go in our own strength. So like, think about a a sailboat with me for a second. This has been the picture that God gave to Pastor Josh for the series. Got a sailboat and you've got these seven specific sails and they each represent the vision of the house. And if you and I will actively understand what that is, and then start to walk it out in our life, we start to raise these sails, man, the Holy Spirit can come and breathe on those sails and take us way farther than we could ever go if we're rowing this boat, rowing this church in our own strength. How many of y'all would like the breath of the Holy Spirit on this church, right? I know I do. And so in order to do that, we need to understand where we're going and what God's called us to do. And so we've looked at four ships so far in this series. We've looked at citizenship, And we talked about the kingdom of heaven and how we are not citizens of this world, but we're citizens of heaven. We we looked at worship. Pastor Sarah preached an incredible word on the fact that worship is more than a song. It's more than love expressed, but it is kingship expressed. You remember that? And then we also looked at discipleship, what it looks like to truly follow God, not just to be a convert, to be a follower. And then last week we looked at fellowship. And so I want to I want to echo what has been said a couple times in this series, and it's that each one of these ships that shape us are building upon the last one. We're building somewhere. We're going somewhere. And and I say that because specifically, my message today is really going to be 
the tail end of Pastor Josh's message from last week on fellowship. And so if you haven't uh, heard any of these messages in this series or you've missed a couple weeks, man, I would strongly encourage you go back this week and listen to some of those. You will not regret it. It will not be a waste of your time. But last week, we looked specifically at fellowship. What is fellowship? We looked at really the thing that Jesus came to accomplish, the main issue that Jesus came to fix. And it wasn't necessarily sin. The main issue was what sin kept us from, right? And that's fellowship with our God. So what did Jesus do? He came and he dealt with sin so that he could have you and that you could have him. You remember that? fellowship with God. And so I want to talk today about what happens after fellowship. What happens when you are now in fellowship with God? Well, this is where a topic called freedom comes into play. Freedom. Everybody say freedom. Freedom. So we're talking about freedom today. I've got a quote for you. Write this down if you're taking notes. If the fruit of sin is a broken fellowship with Jesus, then the fruit of fellowship with Jesus should be freedom. Some of y'all did not get that. I'm gonna, I need to read that again because that was good. If the fruit of sin is a broken fellowship with Jesus, then what, is a, what does a fellowship with Jesus look like? Well, the fruit of it should be freedom. Now, realize I said should be. It's not always freedom. And we're going to talk about the ta- that today, but fellowship with Jesus should always equal freedom in the life of a believer. So check this out. If you want to follow along with me, you can turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 3. We're going to start in verse 17. You are probably familiar with this passage. It's a really good one, one of my favorites, but here's what it says. It says, now now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. Somebody say freedom. 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 And we all, with unveiled face, beholding the glory of the Lord, are being transformed. That's what happens when we're experiencing freedom. We're being transformed into the same image. What's the image? The image of Jesus from one degree of glory to another. For this comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. Okay, so if you're taking notes, the ship that we're talking about today is not freedom ship, because that's not a word. (laughs) We're not talking about freedom ship. We're actually talking about ownership. Ownership. But I want to give you a warning before we pray and to get in this word. I'm actually not going to get to the, the word ownership in this message until like the last five minutes. So when I'm, when I'm preaching and you're like, hey, this is not the right message, Jackson. I'm getting there. I promise. Just hang in with me. Ownership. We're talking about ownership today. But before we do, let's pray. I want to invite you to bow your heads and close your eyes. Father God, we thank you so much that you are in this house. God, we thank you that your word says when when praise is lifted up to you, that you inhabit the praises of your people. And we recognize that you have inhabited this place today. And that means there's an opportunity for freedom because we just read where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. It's available right now, wherever we are, it is available. It's right in front of our eyes. And so today, God, I pray that you would breathe on us, that you would help us each and every single one of us to recognize where that freedom needs to be applied to our life specifically. We love you. We praise you. It's in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. Amen. Okay, okay. To uh, help kickstart this idea, this topic of freedom, 
Uh, first, I got to tell you an area in my life, little area in my life where God has had to walk some freedom into my heart. Is that okay with you? Some, uh, this is an area specific to me where I needed God to transform me and to start, to start this topic, uh, you got to know a couple things about me. They're obvious things. The first one is I'm a white boy. I'm a fair-skinned white boy. I get really, really pale in the winter. Um, I have a red beard and ginger hair, okay? And so if you have those qualities like me, then that means you have this superpower, and it's called blushing. Anybody blush? If you blush, you know it's the worst superpower to have, actually. It's the superpower that happens only when you don't want it to happen, right? You're like, man, I would love it if I didn't blush right now. Oh, there it goes. Okay, here I go. I'm blushing. Um, so when you're, when you're fair-skinned, ginger like me, or maybe you're just fair-skinned and you blush, you know that is kind of an uncomfortable feeling. It's not like the best feeling in the world because everybody knows I'm nervous, I'm scared, I may have just peed my pants, and you know it. And uh, this, there was a specific time where this happened to me, and it, it was awful. Um, it was in eighth grade English, which is, you know, it's the best time of your life. Eighth grade English. And this specific day, we were doing book reports. And so, you know, you got to do the book report. You got to present this speech to the whole class. And I had been dreading this day for quite some time. I was very nervous. The closer I got to this day, like the more anxiety started to just rise up in me. I was so nervous to speak in front of the class. And how many of you know you can't avoid this? This is something you have to do. So I get to the day. It's the day where I'm going to present this speech about a book that I probably did not read, if we're being honest, because I, I did not do homework as a kid. And uh, so I get there. It's the day. Um, my teacher calls me up to the front of the class, and I do that walk of shame and just that eternal walk to the front of the classroom. And I get up there and I start to present my speech. And, you know, to my surprise, when I started, I'm like, dude, you sound pretty good right now. You're killing it. Just a couple more minutes and then you can go back to your seat and you're safe. So I'm, I'm doing my speech. And then all of a sudden, I don't know what happened. I don't know what exactly happened. I don't remember. But all I know is in one moment, I was speaking and then I wasn't. And I just froze in front of the entire class. I tripped up on a word or forgot where I was going, and I froze, and on the outside, you know, I'm frozen. It probably wasn't even that long, but for me, it felt like forever, and I look frozen on the outside, but on the inside, it's like inside out. Have you ever seen that movie, and like all the emotions are freaking out, and they're like looking through the filing cabinet, please say something right now, <laughs> throwing chairs out the window. It was just chaos in my brain, and then I started to realize, uh-oh, I'm getting really hot, beads of sweat are starting to show up on my forehead. And then it happened. My superpower kicked into gear. And I just turned beet red, just tomato red in front of the whole class. And so to help me, you know, one of my teachers, she's like, oh, Jackson needs some help. So in the middle of my speech, she goes, Jackson, are you sunburnt? <laughs> no, I'm not sunburnt, teacher. <laughs> and then... One of the kids in my class, one of the kids in my class was like, oh, Jackson needs some help here. No, he's not sunburnt. He's blushing. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you for clarifying that to the whole class. So I say all that to say this. This was a very embarrassing moment for me. 
It's a shameful moment. And in this moment, and in moments like for all of us, we, we experience these times where something happens. It's a low point or a wound or something hurts us or something happens that in this moment, I did something. I didn't realize I did it. I didn't consciously do this. But in that moment, I created a vow in my heart. And I said this, I will never let that happen again. Uh, if, it's, if it's my choice, I will never let that happen again. I will do whatever it takes to not experience that again, right? And so I came out of, really, that experience with that, with that vow in my heart and then really believing two lies about myself. Um, that actually started to shape an identity that I lived from. It was the lie that I'm not bold and the lie that I can't speak in front of people. Not the lie that I, that's just not what I do. The lie that I physically, Jackson cannot do that. These were two lies that I came out of that scenario believing about myself. And so that was an identity that I lived from for some time. I, I would avoid public speaking, whether it was a, a small group or a big group, I avoided it like the plague. I was like, I will not get up in front of that class and talk because I did not want to experience that ever again. You hearing me? And so this was an identity that I lived from. And and actually, when I lived from it for so long, it actually started becoming, you know, failure in in, in speaking in front of people started to become a self-fulfilling prophecy because I would have like a book report coming up at school and I could only picture myself failing because that's all I thought I could do. So failure became a self-fulfilling prophecy that then it would happen and I would reinforce, yeah, I guess I, I do suck at speaking, or I guess I'm not bold. You see what I'm saying, church? And so this was, uh, this was an identity that I lived from for some time until you know, my senior year of, of high school, I ended up uh, f- like fully laying my life down for the Lord, fully surrendering my life to Jesus, giving him lordship, of my life, I was born again. And how many of you know, when you fully surrender your life to Jesus, you don't drive the bus anymore, right? You don't, you're, you're not your own. You've been bought with the price. It's not your shot anymore. You don't get to make the calls. And so from that moment on, you know, the Holy Spirit, he's starting to work freedom into different areas of my life. I've been born again. And fast forward a couple of years, I find myself in college. I'm pursuing a degree in biblical counseling. And it was my junior year. And in this year, this semester, my junior year of of college, I received my call into ministry. And and so my call into ministry wasn't like this extravagant, like I'm in service and the heavens opened up and a dove came down and there was a little note on it that said, Jackson, you're going to be a youth pastor at New Song Church. That wasn't wasn't my call into ministry. My, My call was a literal phone call and it was from Pastor David Terry, our worship pastor. And I was driving to work one day in Dallas and he calls me and he says, hey, hope you're doing good, Jackson. Just wanted to let you know that uh, we're looking at hiring and, and inviting somebody to come up and start leading a youth ministry at the church. And you were the first person that Pastor Josh and I thought of. We've been praying about it. What do you think? You want to know what I was really thinking? <laughs> Heck no. <laughs> nope. Uh-uh. Nope. There is not a single chance that I would do that. Youth pastor? Nope. But I didn't say that. I said, can I pray about it? (laughs) That thing where we try to avoid conflict with anybody. So we're like, let me pray about that. When really we're like, I already know what the answer is. But see, I said, can I pray about it? But I already knew what the answer was. And I knew it was a yes. 
I knew deep in my spirit the Holy Spirit was inviting me and Haley to, to leave everything, to go to OKC, to help plant New Song students. I knew that deep in my spirit, but I did not want the answer to be yes. I did not want the answer to be yes. And here's why. It wasn't because I was afraid of moving. It wasn't because I was afraid of making new friends or I, I didn't really know what the future held. It's actually kind of silly thinking about it now. But the reason why I did not want to say yes was because youth pastors talk in front of people. And I did not want to do that. That was something that up until this point in my life, I had not released that to God. And this was something Jackson did not do. And so I say all of that to say this. I want to pose to you a question, New Song Church. What happens when your identity, your habits, your preferences, even the way that you think you're wired, down to, down to your, your DNA and the way you think you've been wired, what happens when all of those things are actually contrary to where God is taking you? What happens when the way you believe about yourself is going this way and God says, I want to take you this way? What do you do? Well, this is where freedom comes into play. This is where freedom is important in the life of every single believer, in the life of this church. And so I want to go back to that scripture that I started us in, in 2 Corinthians 3, and I want to read it in a different translation. This is the amplified version. I love what it says. It says, now the Lord is the spirit, and where the spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty, emancipation from bondage, true freedom. Everybody say true freedom true freedom. And we all, with unveiled face, continually seeing as in a mirror the glory of the Lord, I love how it writes it right here, are progressively being transformed into his image from one degree of glory to even more glory, which comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. Okay, so what exactly is Freedom. freedom is the process of being emancipated from bondage. And it's that, but it's also being transformed into the image of Jesus. If you're taking notes, write this down. The freedom is the process of becoming like Jesus. It's the process of becoming like Jesus. It's really simple. It's the process of you and I allowing the Holy Spirit to make us look more like Jesus today than we did yesterday. It's important, and it's for every single believer. In fact, this, the theological term for this process of being transformed is called sanctification. Y'all ever heard that word before? It's a fun word. Sanctification. Well, last week, we actually looked at another theological term that starts with an S, and it's called salvation. That's what Pastor Josh preached on last week. What is salvation? Well, it's the fact that God did what was needed to be done so that he could have you and you could have him. The fact that when we give our lives to Jesus, when we submit him as the Lord of our lives, then guess what? We get to receive a new nature. We're no longer tied to that sin, that death, and we are made alive in Christ. We get to experience relationship with God, fellowship with God. And that's good news, but check this out, church. Salvation was never meant to be the end goal for you. That was never meant to be the end goal for a believer, because if it was, then this would happen. Whenever somebody raised their hand to give their life to Jesus or they came up for an altar call, in that moment when they really did it, they would instantly have a beam of light come down and they would just be abducted straight into heaven. <laughs> if that was it, if salvation was the end goal, we would all be in heaven right now, right? But we're not. 
Because if there's still breath in our lungs, God is not done with us yet. He's just getting started. And this is where sanctification comes into play. And I want you to know, for God, salvation and sanctification are both important. They are both important to God. And so they need to be important to us. I think a great picture of both of these theological terms, salvation and sanctification in the Bible is the story of the Exodus. In Exodus, uh, in the book of Exodus, most of us are familiar with this story. We find the children of Israel, and they are in need of some literal freedom. Because at this point in the story, they are actually slaves, right? They're slaves in Egypt. Most of us know the story. They don't start out as slaves, though. They start out in Egypt, and they're actually receiving benefits from Egypt because of Joseph's authority. He's got favor with Pharaoh, and so they have a place in Egypt, and they're doing good. They're thriving, but then a new Pharaoh comes into town, and he doesn't know Joseph, and he doesn't know Joseph's God, and he actually sees this growing nation as a threat to Egypt. So what does he do? He enslaves an entire nation, and so they become slaves. That becomes their identity, and then eventually... We know that God desires, hey, I want to bring freedom to my people. So he, he lifts up a guy named Moses, calls him to confront Pharaoh. We know the story, 10 plagues. Pharaoh finally, he finally relents and let the, he lets the people of Israel go. They go through the Red Sea. Pharaoh's army is defeated behind them. And then in that moment, when, the, when they're on the other side of the Red Sea, how many of you know they are no longer slaves? They are what? They are 100% free. After 400 years of being in bondage, being under the yoke of slavery from Egypt, in a moment, once Pharaoh's army is defeated, they go from being slave to free. That is their identity. That's who they are. And really, this is a picture of salvation. We see salvation for the people of God. What does God do? He so desperately desires to be in in, in fellowship and in relationship with the children of Israel that he's like, hey, you need plagues? I got you. You need a Red Sea to be split? I got you. You need manna? You need a, 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 a pillar of fire? I got you. I will do whatever it takes for you to be in fellowship with me. And we actually see God's heart for fellowship right here in Exodus 19 verse 4. Look at this. He says, you yourselves have seen what I did to the Egyptians and how I bore you on eagle's wings. This is so cool. Look at this. And brought you to myself. So right there, we see God's heart was salvation for his people. God is reminding them, I will do all the work needed for you to be with me because I am a relational God and I want you. So we see salvation here. But how many of you know, just like us, when we get saved, that is not the end goal for God for us. In the same way, when when the children of Israel ended up on the other side of the Red Sea, that wasn't the end of their story. Really, that was just the beginning of their story. And so if we continue on the next two verses in this passage, we actually see God's heart, not just for salvation. Hey, I want to be with you. But we see his heart for sanctification. Hey, I want to change you. Look at this. It says, you yourselves have seen what I did to the Egyptians and how I bore you on eagle's wings and brought you to myself. So right there, that's God's heart for salvation. That's a picture of salvation. Now look at this. Now, therefore, if you will indeed obey my voice and keep my covenant, you shall be. In other words, you're not there yet, 
but you will be one day. You shall be my treasured possession among all peoples, for all the earth is mine, and you shall be, there it is again, you will become to me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. Church, here's what we need to understand about God's heart towards us. God is a relational God and a transformational God. God has always been relational, but he is also a transformational God. God wants you, and just like the children of Israel, he will do all of the work. He will do whatever it takes. You need a cross, you need Jesus, I'll do it so I can have you. That's God's heart for salvation. He's a relational God. And at your worst, the Bible tells us that Jesus died for us. At your darkest moment, that's when Jesus chose you. That is good news. But here's some other good news. Jesus doesn't just take us where we're at and then let us stay there forever. His heart for you is to transform you. It's always been God's heart to transform you. Can I be real with you, church? It is not God's heart for you to be stuck in sin. It is not God's heart for you to avoid relationships because of a past wound. It is not God's heart for you to be under the yoke and slavery of anxious thoughts because that's how you think you're wired. It is not God's heart for you to not get plugged into church because a past church hurts your feelings and you got hurt. Now, uh, please hear me. I'm not saying it's bad to experience any of those things. I'm not saying that freedom is not feeling anxiety or freedom is not being hurt by people because obviously we can't control some of these things. But here's what freedom is. It's not letting those things become our identity. It's not choosing to camp out in those things and say, oh, this is who I am. God's heart is always to transform us. In fact, it's his will for you. You ever wondered, hey, what's God's will for my life? You ever had that thought before? I know I have. I will tell you what God's will for your life is. It's really simple. First Thessalonians chapter four says this, for this is the will of God, your sanctification. It's pretty simple. This is God's will for your life, that you would be transformed to look like Jesus. God's will is not for you to be stuck in harmful thought patterns, stuck in sin, stuck identifying with a false reality. That is not God's heart for you. It's always been his heart to transform you. And church, this is really important for us to understand as New Song Church, because we live in a world that actually says, do the opposite. We live in a world that says, hey, you need to identify with what your struggle is. That's who you are. That's how you're wired. In fact, there are believers today who are trying to adopt both things. We're trying to adopt the fact that I can identify with these struggles about me. And I love that God is merciful and gracious to me, but God, you can't touch this shame. God, I, I love the fact that you'll take me wherever I am, but I don't want you to make me better. I don't want to have to do the work to be better. And we find people trying to adopt two things that actually go very opposite. In fact, look at this, 1 Thessalonians 4, if we keep continuing down in verse 7, it says this, For God has not called us for impurity, but in holiness. Therefore, whoever disregards this, being transformed to look holy, disregards not man, but God, who gives his Holy Spirit to you. So check this out. When we don't allow God to be relational and transformational, we miss out on God's best. That's, it's really simple. When we don't allow God to be both relational, he'll take you wherever you're at because he loves you. But also, he wants to transform you. When we don't have both in our life, 
we miss out on God's best for us. Going back to that story, yeah, sure, you can clap for that. That's good news. Come on. I want to go back. I want to go back to the story of the Exodus, the, the, the people of Israel. We find them, you know, they're actually free on the other side of the Red Sea, 100% free. That's their identity. They are no longer slaves. That's who they are. But we still find them thinking like slaves. It's still in their mindset. And it's something that God wanted to work out in them, but they necessarily weren't willing to do that. So God sees them as free people, but still thinking as slaves, but they don't want to be free. At this point in the story, this is what they're thinking. Look at this. Exodus 16, verse 3. The Israelites said, why didn't God let us die in comfort? What? (laughs) Y'all know you're free. Why didn't God let us die in comfort in Egypt, where we had lamb stew and all the bread we could eat? You've brought us out into this wilderness to starve us to death. Moses, You've brought us out into the wilderness, and it's really hot. You brought us out into the wilderness, and my sandals broke. You brought us out into the wilderness, and I got a sunburn, and I have to eat manna, and I don't know where we're going. And this is what their focus was. It wasn't freedom. It was comfort. And I think this is something that, if we're not careful, will keep us from God's best. You know, the children of Israel... They found themselves wandering in the desert for 40 years, and that was not God's best for them. It was never God's intention for the children of Israel to wander in the desert for 40 years. Do you know that? That was on them. They chose to do that because they weren't willing to let God transform them. And this is what I think the issue was. This is where I think they missed it when they were thinking of freedom. I think they had an expect, like when they're walking through the Red Sea, I think they were thinking, this is so great. We're going to be free. And they had this expectation of freedom, but it didn't, meet, it didn't end up looking like the reality they were experiencing. And I think if we're not careful, we can find ourselves falling in the same trap where we expect freedom to look like one thing, and then it looks like another thing. And here's where I think they missed it. They thought freedom was going to be comfortable and easy. They thought because they were free, life's going to be great, and everything's going to be easy, and we're not going to have to work for anything. Look at this. They literally say that. Why didn't God let us die in comfort in Egypt where we had lamb stew and all the bread that we could eat? So what do we see? We see the fact that the children of Israel were upset because the freedom that they received from God was not easy and it was not comfortable. Can I be real with us, New Song Church? The freedom that God wants to invite you into in your life is really, really good. It's a promised land but it's also a process that is not easy. In fact, I tried to fluff this next point up. There's no way to fluff it up. The process of being transformed is hardly ever easy. The process of truly letting the Holy Spirit do a work in your heart, it is hardly ever easy. Can we be real today? It is not easy to confess your sin to somebody. It is not easy to come to your spouse and say, hey, I did this and it was wrong. It is not easy to forgive somebody when they've done you wrong. It is not easy to stand in faith when you are not seeing the breakthrough happen. It's not easy to stand on a platform and preach a message when you've told yourself your entire life that's not something you can do. 
Freedom is not an easy process. I'd be lying to you if I came up here and said freedom is easy, and when you pray a prayer, God's going to zap the freedom in you. But that's not the case. Freedom is a process that God invites us into, but if we think it's going to be comfortable and easy, we're going to miss God's best. We're going to miss God's best. And so I know this is kind of a lot of like heavy. I'm ready to bring some some good news into this. Are you ready for some good news? Freedom is good, and here's why. Check this out. Freedom is possible. That verse said true freedom. Did you know that true freedom is possible for you? Sometimes we fall into the belief that it's actually not. But New Song Church, you need to know today, true freedom from that sin struggle that you have, from that mental battle that you experience every day, from that relationship that you've been hurt by, true freedom from that is actually 100% possible for you. I don't care what the process looks like. You may need to go to therapy. You may need to come up to the altar and confess your sin to somebody. You may need to apologize to somebody. But here's the thing. The process is not going to be easy, but it will be 100% possible for you to experience freedom. Freedom in the life of every believer is God's will for you. And, And Pastor Josh said this last week. We say this a lot here at New Song. If it's God's will for you, then it's possible. God would never will you something that is not also possible for you to experience. So if God says in 1 Thessalonians 4, this is my will, your sanctification, then guess what? It's possible for you to experience freedom from sin, freedom from mental battles, freedom from all of these things, but it will take a process. Freedom is possible. Here's the next thing we need to understand about freedom. If we're going to see this lived out in our church, freedom is progressive. And we need to understand this church. Freedom is progressive. What do I mean by that? And we all, with unveiled face, continually seeing, as in a mirror, the glory of the Lord, are progressively being transformed. What does that mean? Getting better into his image, from one degree of glory to even more glory, which comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. What do I mean by this? Freedom is progressive. Here's what I mean. It doesn't mean freedom gets easier to walk in. Here's what it means. It means we should get better the more we walk in freedom. In other words, five years from now, you should look more like Jesus than you do right now. 20 years from now, you can be confident knowing I'm going to look more like Jesus 20 years from now than I do right now. Because guess what? The Bible tells me if I'm willing to submit and let the Holy Spirit mold me, it says from glory to glory, progressive transition, transformation. That means I get better because Jesus is so good. This is the freedom that's available to us. It's possible. It gets better. And here's here's how we experience it. It's through ownership. Look at this. Freedom is unlocked through ownership. All of this stuff that we've talked about today, the only way you can experience it is by choosing to experience it yourself. Here's what I mean by that. The children of Israel were not forced into the promised land from God. God did all of the work. He did all of the leading. He did all of the setting apart and the transforming. All he needed was some people to own it. And unfortunately, they were not willing to own it and they missed the promised land. All they needed to do was say, you know what, God, I trust you. Really, that's what ownership looks like. God, I trust what you say more than what I'm experiencing right now. God, I trust that if you say I can experience this, then it's possible. So help mold me. 
Look at this. Hebrews 12, 2 says, 12, 12 says this. Therefore, lift up your drooping hands and strengthen your weak knees and make straight paths for your feet so that what is lame may not be put out of joint, but rather healed. Strive for peace with everyone for the holiness without which no one will see the Lord. Here's, here's what's interesting about this passage. None of that said, God is going to lift up your drooping hands. God is going to strengthen your weak knees. God's going to make your path straight. All of that is on us. That is us to own. Look at this. David Guzik says this, almost like a coach or a military officer. The author told his fellow followers of Jesus to take courage, to be active. He gave exhaustive reasons to be strong in the Lord and to put off discouragement and that the time had now come to do it. Freedom is unlocked through ownership. God is so good and so gracious that he will actually do all of the transforming as long as we bring him this little seed called ownership. If I'm willing to say, God, you're right, I am missing it here and that's all it takes and I'm gonna humble myself and tell my spouse or come up for prayer or, or just go for it. Even when I don't think I can, God can do a lot with that little seed of ownership, New Song Church. And I'm telling you, if we wanna be the church, like Pastor Sarah prophesied about last week, the church that's a city on a hill that's pouring out into our community, we have to be a people that look like Jesus. We have to be a people that are not just owned by Jesus, but we also resemble our God, right? And church, I'm, I'm telling you, this stuff is real. I'm here today. I'm a living testimony of the fact that Jesus is a sanctifying God. You know, five years ago, if you told me I was doing this, I would have peed my pants just thinking about it because that's how much I hated being in front of people. This right here is a testimony of the fact that the Holy Spirit is so good and can transform your life. But can I tell you, church, it was not easy. I had to do this when I was uncomfortable and I had to go through the process. And I'm not up here saying that you can say a prayer and God's gonna zap freedom into you. But what I am saying is it is possible for you. That's how good our God is. And there is true freedom in this house today. And he wants you to experience it. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes? Thanks for listening to this week's message from New Song Church. If you have a prayer need or would like more information about New Song, you can email info at newsongpeople.com. If you would like to partner with New Song through giving, go to www.newsongpeople.com forward slash give. And if you want to stay connected to New Song, you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter by searching for New Song People.